thanks for connecting with our online content at Holy Trinity Church in Richmond. We really hope that what we share with you will be a blessing and will help you to continue to grow in your knowledge and love of God. This is the last instalment as we walk with God and walk with Abraham in Genesis for this year before we move into Advent in a week or two's time. Fear can be a powerful motivator, can't it? The things we fear will shape how we live our lives. Uh, if we fear waking the baby, then we'll do ludicrous things like tiptoe out of the room or crawl out of a room on our hands and knees. Has anyone else done it? so that you didn't wake that little person that you just settled. If we fear the loss of a job, then we'll turn up on time and we'll do the things that are in our job description. We want to keep that job. If we fear dementia coming sooner than it should, we'll do Sudoku and Wordle to keep our minds as active and engaged as we might. If we fear reduced mobility, we'll keep on moving, doing as much exercise and strengthening our bodies everywhere we can, even as they age. If we fear what others think, then we'll keep our opinions to ourselves, or we'll dress a certain way. We'll do whatever we can to fit in. Fear is a powerful motivator. In Iraq, fear motivated me to wear body armor and a helmet that I wouldn't usually wear, but when that siren went off, it was a very powerful motivator to do what I was told by the regimental sergeant major. Fear is a powerful motivator. The Old Testament reading this morning exposes Abraham's greatest fear. It asks a question, what does he fear the most? It causes us to ask the question, what do we fear the most? As we open this passage today, we'll start by examining verses 1 and 2 as we look at the nature of the test that God sets for Abraham to expose his fear. After that, we'll consider his response in verses 3 to 10, and then finally, the results of that test in verses 11 to 19. We know where we're going, why don't we pray? Heavenly Father, we thank you that you speak to us by your word. We pray this morning that as we look at this passage, you would reveal our fears to us and help us to put our fear where it should lie. Lord, by the power of your Spirit, would you speak to us now in these ancient words? Bring them alive in our hearts and minds, we ask in Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen. Well, verse 1 tells us that God came to Abraham to test him. There's something here about Abraham that God wants to uncover, that he wants to see proven. Abraham doesn't know that this is why God has approached him again. So as he hears his name called out, he says, Here I am, Lord. And God lays out the test for him. Abraham, this man who's around 100 years old and has been waiting for a child for 25 years, is to take his dear son and to sacrifice him as a whole burnt offering. When we hear that, we have to wonder how Abraham felt, don't we? Parents especially. We've got to be moved as we consider the depth of feeling that Abraham must have experienced. Imagine his churning stomach as he heard that challenge, that test from God. Can you think of the cold sweat that he would have broken out in? 
his heart breaking inside him. Because the idea of killing a child is horrifying. When we hear of it on the news or read of it in the papers, we are absolutely stopped dead in our tracks as we think, how could a parent do that? The conditions of this test are unimaginable to any Christian who knows God's character, his love and grace and mercy, or for that matter, any Israelite who was reading this and hearing it proclaimed after they'd received the law in Leviticus. Unlike the pagan nations of Canaan, the Israelites were to reject the sacrifice of children. It was detestable to the Lord. But in Abraham's world, it wasn't unheard of or unusual. Children were sacrificed frequently to appease the gods. In order to explore the depths of Abraham's trust in him, God asks Abraham to offer up what he holds most dearly, his son, the son who he loves, verse 2 says. The question for Abraham is, would he fear God most of all? Do you remember Abraham's already sent one son away, Ishmael, the firstborn son that he had with his wife's slave, Hagar? He did that in obedience to God's desire to protect his promise to him. And now he must also hand over Isaac as well. Hearing the test, surely Abraham recalls the promise of God in Genesis 21.12. It's through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. It was a recent reassurance of the great promise that Abraham would become a nation, that he would receive a land of his very own, and that God would bless all people through him. God had been crystal clear. It was through Isaac that all of this would come to pass. And so to request Isaac as a human sacrifice seems crazy. We are meant to be shaking our heads. We are meant to be asking, how will God fulfill the promise without Isaac? We've seen the extraordinary lengths that God has gone to to protect him. God has acted time and time again to overcome Abraham's foolishness, which jeopardized Isaac's birth. We've seen the expulsion of Ishmael, who threatened the promise being fulfilled because of the tension between him and his brother. Surely the death of Isaac would see all of God's promises unravel, and Abraham left high and dry, completely stranded, without a hope of God's promise coming to pass. But when he hears the test, Abraham doesn't protest. He doesn't, look like a, uh, he doesn't look for a way out like he did with Ishmael. He responds with stunning obedience. Look at verse 3. There is no argument this time. Abraham hears what God asks of him, and he acts. The very next day, he prepares all that he needs for the sacrifice, and he sets off. How can he do it? Is he in his right mind? Verse 5 tells us why he can do it. As Abraham speaks to his servants, look at the confidence that he displays. He says, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. They've gone to the mountain that God showed them. We will worship and then we will come back to you. He may have to kill Isaac. He may have to do what God's asked him but God will make a way. They will return to the servants together. Abraham believed that God would keep his promise, and so he obeyed this call. He didn't know how God would deliver him and his son from this terrible situation. He didn't know how God would fulfill his promise, 
But in the New Testament, the book of Hebrews in chapters 11, verses 17 to 19, and the book of James, chapter 2, verses 21 to 24, both tell us that he acted in faith, believing that God could even raise the dead. Hebrews 11, verse 19. Abraham believed that even sacrificing his son wouldn't jeopardize God's promise. He believed that Isaac would live. There is no doubt in his mind because he trusts the promises of God. When Isaac questions him in verse 7, he answered his son's question with these words. Here's the question, where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And here's the answer in faith. God himself will provide the lamb for the offering, my son. He's not trying to trick the boy. He's pointing to the only one that they can hope in. Abraham will act in perfect obedience to what God has asked. He carries the knife and the embers, prepared to make the sacrifice. He doesn't know that this is a test, but Abraham believed that God would keep his promise, and he obeyed. Abraham binds his only remaining son, who he loves, and he lays him on an altar. He has given God everything. He has committed his son to him. He's committed his future to him. Abraham has trusted God with every fiber of his being. He does that out of perfect obedience because he fears God. That fear is a commitment to God above all else. It rises above all of the other fears that might encompass him. The fear of loss, the fear of destitution, the fear of failure all drift into the background. The fear of God is displayed instead, and obedience does not hold back even what is most precious when God demands it. As he brings the knife down towards his son, Abraham commits the future that he has been promised to God, even if he doesn't know how God will bring it to pass. And then, with a word from the angel of the Lord, everything changes. In verse 11, Abraham, stop, do not lay a hand on the boy. Abraham has acted in obedience, and God has seen and heard. He has offered up his son because he fears God, verse 12 tells us. He has feared God more than he fears being childless. He has feared God more than he fears remaining a wandering nomad. He has feared God more than the loss of his reputation and his family name. He fears what God says, and he gives God the highest priority over all of those other fears. He trusts God. He has faith in him. His faith in God has been rightly placed. Look at verse 13. God provides. A ram is caught in a bush, and it will be offered as a sacrifice in Isaac's place. Abraham's great faith was in the right place. It was in the God who cannot lie, the God whose promises never fail. Abraham acted in faith, believing the wonderful promises that God had made to him. In chapters 12 and 15 and 17 and 21 again, he believed those promises would come to pass that even if he had to sacrifice the very person who those promises hinged on, 
this long-awaited son, God would make a way. But the provision of the ram, God came through spectacularly, didn't he? Can you imagine the sense of relief that Abraham must have felt? The tension draining away from him. The tears of sadness turned to tears of joy as God provided all that he needed. Abraham's fear was in the right place. Abraham names the place the Lord will provide. That's what he calls the mountain. This is the mountain where Solomon would build the temple, where Israel would offer sacrifices year after year to make themselves right with God on the Day of Atonement. In that action, Israel acknowledged that just like us, they were deserving of eternal separation from God because of their rebellion and their disobedience time and time again. And so annually they would come, and an innocent lamb would die in their place. Israel carried out that sacrifice every year because they feared God. They had seen his awesome power. They had seen his protection and his delivering hand. They knew what it was like to rebel and to displease God. But they feared life without him. But that system of sacrifice on that same mountain was imperfect. It could never really fix the brokenness of the human heart. It could only deal with the consequences. Until the promise to Abraham would be fulfilled in a new way. One of his descendants would make atonement once and for all. God would provide a way again. He provided the sacrifice for Abraham with a ram caught in a thicket. And he pointed to a time where he would provide once more. On the cross at Calvary, very near to Mount Moriah in Jerusalem, God would offer up his only son as a sacrifice. As Jesus walked up the hill, the wood that he would be sacrificed on was laid on his shoulders to carry. Knowing what he was facing, Jesus would trust the one he called Father and lay still with total trust, not bound with ropes, but held with nails. His three-day journey wouldn't be to a mountain. It would be into death itself and back again. Not spared like Isaac, but raised from the dead. He would experience death in our place. And he would defeat it. So that we could live forever with our God. A God who was motivated by his amazing love for the people he created. God saw his plan for salvation, his greatest promise to mankind through to the very end. It was a plan that would cost him the thing he spared Abraham from having to give up, his very own son who he loved. But in Jesus, all of the promises of Genesis 22, 15 to 18 would be fully realized and find their home. God so loved the world that he gave his only son, so that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have life eternal. Friends, we don't hear this very often, but we have every reason to fear God. He has warned us in his word that how we live our lives matters to him. We are called to fear him and to put him first because of all that he has done for us on the cross. Love so amazing is that. Love so divine demands my soul, my life, my all. God's people are to show faith like Abraham in the face of our fears. 
We are to fear God above all and to put Jesus first ahead of our own desires and the things that we love, the things that we fear missing out on in this life. He has loved us with absolutely everything. He has given his only son for us so that we can have new life and share in the promises that God made to Abraham. We can be saved by his death from death and eternal separation with God. And so when we fear God and trust in Jesus, that death that we face is replaced with the most glorious future in the presence of the very one who died for us, the one who has lavished his grace upon us so that we might be right with our God and live with him forever. He gave his own son to save us. He doesn't want even one to perish or fall from his grasp. He wants those who already stand condemned because of unbelief to be experiencing the joy and freedom and salvation that comes by his son. That is why he's done what he called Abraham back from the edge of. That's why he sacrificed his very dear son, the son who lived in perfect obedience to his father and trusted him even to death on a cross. Knowing that he has given all for us, knowing what he's done for us, the challenge then is to ask the question, will we trust him with everything? Do we fear eternal separation from God more than the fears of this life? There are Christians around the globe who every day must put the fear of God before the fear of their nation in places like China and Pakistan, in places like Eritrea and Somalia. There are people who stand firm saying that they will fear God more than they fear man. Friends, can you imagine standing before Jesus on the day of his return and hear him say, I love you. I warned you, I died for you, but I don't know you. You'll have no part in my kingdom. Christian brother or sister, can you imagine hearing God say, I gave you a message to share, but you feared the opinion of others more than you feared me. Your fear of the world was greater than your fear of me. What would that be like? To stand before Jesus and hear, Zane, I gave you the good news to proclaim and you bottled out You feared the numbers on a Sunday dropping more than you feared me. Zane, you dropped the ball. You feared what people said about you more than what I say about you. Zane, you haven't been a good and faithful servant. I called you to be one. But you feared negative feedback more than you feared my words of encouragement. Friends, we all fear something, don't we? Today we've been called to fear God, our loving, gracious, heavenly Father above all the fears of this world. If we know the love of God and rightly fear him, then the worshipper of the Lord Jesus will sacrifice whatever is dearest and most treasured because he has given up everything for us, even his very life. He will keep his promise and he will see us safely delivered from the hand of death. He will see us brought into a wonderful new life life in all its fullness, as we trust the promises of God and fear him more than all the fears of this life. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, would you help us 
so to hear these words of Scripture, that our lives would be lived in perfect fear of you, our Lord and Saviour. Lord, would you help us, please, by the power of your Holy Spirit, to rise above our fears in this life, fears of rejection, fears of others' opinions, fears of failure or mockery, and would you help us instead to fear you as we should. Lord Jesus, we give you thanks and praise for Abraham's great faith, and we pray that it would spur us on to fear you rightly and truly, that all of our days might be lived to your glory. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'd like to connect with more of our online content at Holy Trinity in Richmond, you can do that by going to our YouTube page simply by searching for Richmond Anglican Aotearoa. You can also touch base with us online at our website or on Facebook by searching with those same words. Friends, we're so thankful that you've joined us online and that you're enjoying our content. We really do hope and pray that God is blessing you through it. If you've got any feedback, you can touch base with me, zane at richmondparish.nz. Thanks so much for listening. Music